Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Noise in Brief, PR Week UK's fortnightly podcast series where we discuss the biggest industry news stories from the past week in a bite-sized format. I'm Siobhan Holt, news editor at PR Week UK and today I'm joined by John Harrington, editor of PR Week UK and reporter Evie Barrett. Eliza Radio is currently enjoying the sunshine on holiday but she'll be back with us in a few weeks time. So to begin, let's start with the biggest story of the week which is Sec Newgate and the fact that they're about to receive a $100 million investment. So, John, you wrote a story on this. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Yes. So, as you say, Sec Newgate is getting a new owner, a new majority owner. Investcorp is taking stake of about 55% in the business, as you say, for $100 million. Now, Investcorp, for those who don't know, is quite a big investment firm, actually. And it's previously funded comms businesses, including ICR, the strategic comms company and a firm called Investis Digital, really more US based, but ones that some of our readers may be aware of. So the £100 million is effectively a war chest for growth. Uh, They're looking at growth, both via acquisitions and organic growth. 
Um, the CEO, Firenzo Tagliabui, told me that the group's in discussions with about five potential acquisitions at the moment and is also looking to increase its talent base, particularly around areas like ESG, public affairs and employer branding. It's a really interesting case, Sec Newgate. I mean, just 16 months ago, the group delisted from the London stock market when it became private equity backed with the help of a firm called Three Hills Capital Partners. And Three Hills, incidentally, is retaining a minority stake in the business under the new plan. So what does it tell us about the market? I mean, firstly, on a simple level, I think it really shows that outside investors continue to see our sector as a good opportunity. I mean, if you look back at deals earlier this year, like private equity group KKR's investment in FGS Global and MSQ, that's the owner of consumer PR agency Smarts, among other things, getting a new investor last month. It's clear that the industry is seen by the outside world as well-placed for growth. And I think it's really important to remember that when we're talking about a lot of the current challenges in the sector that we'll, we'll come on to later. InvestCorp's investment values Sec Newgate at about $250 million. Now, I estimate that it's a valuation of around 10 times earnings, which is a decent amount. And I think the fact Three Hills is staying on as an investor is also a good sign. Yeah, you know, absolutely. This isn't, this isn't a case of existing investors wanting to get out by, by any means. And my second point I want to make, it, it really highlights the global opportunities for acquisitions for those groups that are well-funded. Sec Newgate is looking at several areas from Eastern Southern Europe to Japan and also wants to shore up its presence in places where it exists. Thirdly, and sort of less positively really for the UK, Tagliaburi referred to what many of us here know already, unfortunately, that the UK economy is just doing less well than many other areas. You know, they, they pointed to a steep fall in flotations in the UK, for example. That's not to say there aren't opportunities for growth here in ESG and other areas, but clearly it's not ideal. But anyway, it's a very interesting investment and one we'll watch with interest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, as you say about the opportunities for growth here in the UK, we've seen that. In a lot of our stories over the last year, we've had like Unique Corn Strategies, which is a Philippines-based agency. They opened in the UK in March. And then I think we recently wrote about Antenna Group opening an office in London, which is a US agency, and that's their first overseas office. So I think it does show that the UK is a really potential market and that it's a launch pad to enter the rest of Europe. I think a lot of them do view it as that. And it also, it works the other way. I think... You know, you've had a lot of UK offices also expanding internationally. So we've had like Team Spirit, which launched a satellite office in the US. And you mentioned Smarts before and Taneo, they've opened in Amsterdam. But it's not always necessarily they're looking for, say, new customers. Sometimes they're doing it just because it allows the agency to be viewed as like borderless and they can share expertise. I mean, I think the UK still does have that status as a launchpad, as you say, into Europe. I just think there are probably extra hurdles now due to a certain political decision taken in 2016. But I think we can exaggerate the sort of how bad the situation is, certainly for the UK PR industry. Clearly, this is still a strong industry, but there are still a lot of headwinds happening at the moment. But yeah, I still think it's not entirely negative. No, there's, there's positives still. There are positives there? Yeah. there are positives. I don't want everyone to feel really down listening <laughs> yeah, to this. It's not doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah, and clearly the fact that, you know, UK agencies and agencies with a UK base, a strong UK base are opening elsewhere is a good thing and is, and is positive. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's good and bad at the moment. As you've sort of mentioned there, John, we're going to move on now because there have been redundancy in the news in the last week. Edelman announced it will lay off 4% of its global workforce. 
The agency described it as parting ways with approximately 240 members of staff, the majority of whom are going to be at senior levels, according to Edelman. We did ask them what the impact would be on the UK workforce, but a spokesperson declined to provide any additional comment. So what did you both make of the redundancy announcement? I think it's really sad news, but at the same time, Edelman isn't alone in this decision. Zeno also cut some of its workforce recently, and there have been other agencies that have launched strategic reviews. Hotwire, for one, announced Mm. that in January. So I think generally it's a tough time and agencies are sort of doing what they have to to stay afloat. I mean... Another big example recently that we touched upon last time, Talker Taylor Troublemaker ceasing trading last month, which was obviously really sad as well. And I guess a bit of slightly more positive news is that some of their staff are finding jobs now, we've heard. So there is some recruitment going on, but it is a challenging time for the sector. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that Edelman said that the redundancies would be at senior levels. According to the statement of Medwan, it sort of said that they'd hired after... COVID-19 and then they'd put a recruitment freeze to try and balance the numbers and that that you know hadn't really resolved the issue so as a result they were going to change look at a slight restructuring their staffing levels so I did think that was an interesting take and obviously I wonder if that's going to be a similar issue across the sector. I think so. It's been such a heady time for the PR industry. I mean, obviously, going back a few years, we had the decline in 2020, you know, particularly around consumer PR. Mm-hmm. And then there was growth in other areas. But generally, it goes without saying, it was an incredibly challenging time for the industry. And then after that, there's a really sharp recovery. And in that time, there was a huge amount of investment in people because the agencies wanted to tap into the growth opportunities that were there. But at the same time, there was huge wage inflation. And it coincided in a lot of areas with the Great Resignation. Mm -hmm. So you've got this problem where a lot of people have been hired on inflated wages just out of necessity to take care of the business that was coming up. And that obviously means that there's a pinch on profits, on margin. And at some point, that has to come to a head, unfortunately, if conditions deteriorate, certainly in terms of profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously happening at the moment. You're certainly talking about the UK, but not only the UK, the cost of living crisis is really having an impact in that sense. So I certainly don't think Edelman will be alone in this sense. I really think that there is a readjustment coming on. And unfortunately, some redundancies are probably inevitable. But I'll come back to that point again, that this doesn't mean that the industry is not in high demand. It doesn't mean that investors aren't interested in the industry. And it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of business there and that clients and the C-suite aren't seeing a huge amount of benefit in everything that our industry has been doing over the last few years to really prove its worth. Mm. But the economic conditions can't be avoided. And that's why it's a difficult time. And we're seeing these redundancies and other problems. Yeah, absolutely. And because of that factor, we've actually taken a closer look at the challenges and the opportunities in the sector. And we've created a trading tracker. John, do you want to explain a bit more detail about what that actually is and the trends you've been seeing? Yes. So On Wednesday this week, so probably when you're listening to this, potentially, we're launching the second iteration of our Top 150 Monthly Trading Tracker, which asks UK agencies from the Top 150 database about trading in the past month. We did this in May as well, and the second time for June, or rather in relation to June. So we look at the previous month. One of the headline figures this month is that around one in seven agencies have either made redundancies or plan to or expect to. Admittedly, it is a fairly small sample. 
this time of 58 agencies. But as a snapshot, I think it's useful and highlights some of the current trends. Mm. I really advise listeners to look at the data that we're publishing this week because it looks at some other really important areas. It suggests agencies are still having problems with things like the new business process taking longer, client payment terms increasing, and inflation unfortunately eating into profits, among other things. So there are some concerning findings. If anything, I'd say overall it doesn't suggest things are necessarily getting worse than they were in May. But nevertheless, it really does point to the challenging times we're in at the moment. Yeah. And Eva, you've had a look at this and especially some of the comments that were made by people in the tracker. Yeah, I think the written comments give some good insight. As you mentioned, John, I think clients going beyond payment terms does seem to be a real issue that was sort of seen across quite a few comments One person even anonymously said that they'd had to get debt collectors to chase payments from four of their clients, which, yeah, it's just quite extraordinary. Another person suggested that clients are perhaps slightly delusional in their PR demands and wanting to see results. He compared them to a 50-year-old divorcee who basically thinks the grass is greener on the other side. There was another comment that Someone said they'd seen an increase in ghosting and tyre-kicking time wasters. So I think generally searching for new business seems like it's difficult. I think the new business process is slowing down a bit. It's not that there's not opportunities out there. A lot of people say that there are plenty of pitches about, but it's just quite hard to actually follow through with that. And I think clients are just a bit nervous about spending. So it's a really mixed picture on the whole. There's not a lack of demand for PR services. And I think clients do know their worth. But yeah, when budgets are squeezed, it just makes things difficult. Even those who say that they've had a strong year so far are still largely uncertain about the second half. There were some people who only had positive things to say, but I think it's such a mixed picture at the moment. It's just hard to tell how it's going to go, really. Yeah. And obviously these challenges then feed into recruitment issues. It all relates, doesn't it? This is the challenge. 100%. Well, one of the slightly odd things that we've seen is a lot of agencies, it comes out in our tracker research, but also talking anecdotally to agency bosses is that people are still struggling to recruit good people at the right level. Mm -hmm. And that level is usually the sort of mid-level kind of strong account handler type roles. Mm -hmm. So it feels like a bit of a contradiction that while redundancies are potentially happening and and are set to happen, there are also these positions open. But I think that's just the way the industry is. And maybe it does suggest that actually things did get a bit top heavy in the period immediately following the end of the worst part of the COVID crisis, really. And I think that realignment that's happening won't necessarily mean there isn't a huge amount of demand for really talented client handlers, but we'll see. Mm. And do you think there could be an impact from COVID from a lack of training during that time that's cause some of these challenges? Well, I think so. I mean, one of the big issues that I've spoken to agencies about in recent weeks is the fact that people who started in their roles in 2020 and parts of 2021, they sort of learned the ropes remotely. And that's just a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. To train people in that in that way is less difficult. And the kind of the learning by osmosis you get from working together in the office for a lot of people wasn't there or it, it wasn't as easy to do. Mm-hmm. So people who started then you would think some of them are going to start to get into more senior roles now into sort of you know account manager roles maybe even some looking towards account director roles and that could create a problem that we've got a generation of workers who for the best will in the world 
didn't have the opportunities to learn in the same way that others did. So that could also cause some problems and in no way blaming the people who joined the industry in that time because there's not a lot they could do about it. But, you know, it's a challenge. Continuing on then with the topic of recruitment, some good news. There's a new company that's set to launch on 17th of July. Evie, you've written about this story for us. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, so this is a bit of a different one. It's a new company called PR Mums, and it's a recruitment company to help mothers back into the PR industry after maternity or parental leave. So it's been founded by comms consultant Emma Padden, and it's supported by a board of founding mothers, which contains senior women from the likes of Grayling, Freud, Manifest, and a few other good names. They've also got lots of well-known agencies on board, Frank, Four, Finn Partners, just to name a few. And it seems that there's a real appetite for what the firm is offering, which is essentially to help women reestablish their pre-pregnancy career path. And I think to help get more women into senior roles in the industry, which feels fair seeing as it is predominantly made up of women, but there are a lot of men in senior roles. So it seems really promising. It's not just recruitment that the firm offers, but also training, networking, events and general support. They're looking to campaign for the broader obstacles that mothers face in the industry as well around parental leave policies, cost and availability of childcare and flexible roles and working from home and that kind of thing. And they've also got a consultant psychologist on board too. So sounds really well thought out and I'm really interested to see how it goes when it launches in a few weeks. Yeah, that sounds like a really great initiative to me. And as you say, there's so many big names or big agencies that have already signed up. So it's already got the backing of the sector by the looks of things. So I think, um, yeah, as you say, it's one to watch. Mm. Probably worth a plug at this point for the mentoring scheme that PR Week does with women in PR, which is all about sort of advice for women in the industry to move to most senior roles in the sector. So um, yeah, have a look on PR Week's website for information about that. And anyone who wants to be a mentee should should apply. Mm. And we've expanded it this year as well, haven't we? Yes, 30 mentors this is it, time. Is it to mark the 10-year anniversary? Is that 10 years, wow. yeah, 10 years. So yeah, I mean, goodness knows how many people have benefited from that over that time. Yeah. But it's a really good scheme and I'd really recommend anyone who, who wants to get involved to check it out. And finally, we're going to discuss the Sheehan controversy, which I'm sure some of you will have read in the news. Uh, For those of you that haven't, don't worry, I'm about to explain. So the online fast fashion brand Sheehan, which I've only discovered that's how you pronounce it. I've been pronouncing it wrong for ages. So yeah, they've faced criticism this week over its poor working conditions. In recent years, they've been criticised for their factory conditions and how they're contributing to climate pollution. So in an effort to combat this criticism, they invited some influencers on a factory tour. And as you can imagine, the influencers shared their positive videos, as you might term it, from the factory in China. And it caused controversy online with many people criticising the brand, challenging them on their controversial ethics. And as a result, criticising the influencers as well for their posts. Many defended their social media posts, but have since removed them due to the controversy. But it's caused a real storm online and it raises questions over influencer marketing and the authenticity. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, this is hardly the first time this sort of thing has happened, but this one has really hit the headlines. I mean, it's a problem. I think that, you know, you go back to the sort of the original point of influencer marketing, the original point of influencers 
was that they were authentic. They mm. were a bit about being themselves and people trusted them because they weren't celebrities posing with a, a bottle of whiskey and being paid £10 million for it. And that's the origin of why they became a marketer's dream. This kind of thing really does damage to that. I mm. think influencer collaborations can be so beneficial, but I think it's got to be seen as as authentic. Otherwise, what is it? You are back to that sort of posing with a bottle of something for a huge amount of money. And there's an obvious sort of comparison here with Bud Light's sort of infamous work they did with the trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. I mean, that was really shown to be inauthentic from Bud Light's point of view because, you know, famously they failed to really support Dylan Mulvaney when there was a huge amount of criticism and backlash, really quite vicious backlash against that activity. So, yeah, it shows that both influencers and the brands need to sort of engage in influencer work in, a, in an authentic way. Otherwise, it really undermines the whole point of it. It shows as well the need sort of influencers to do the research on the brand, I suppose, but also for brands and agencies to make sure that they know everything about the influencers. It sort of both need to really do the checks to make sure that they're representing them right. Mm. In this case, I mean, I don't know the influencers that well who went on the trip, but I've heard people saying that Sheehan specifically chose people who they thought would kind of stand up their brand message and people who are perhaps marginalised and they were quite strategic with who they chose, I think. So I'm not sure that it's necessarily a case of the influencers lying to their audience, but just maybe the brand being quite strategic and wanting to create this image, so Mm. choosing people who they thought would allow that. Okay, that's it for this episode. Noise in Brief goes live every two weeks. In the meantime, look out for our Beyond the Noise podcast next week. Thanks to John and Evie, and thanks to you for listening. Goodbye.